Hey everybody, you're listening to the Clearer Thinking Podcast from Grace Valley Church in Dundas. I'm your host, Paul Vandenbrink, the lead pastor of Grace Valley Church. Thanks for listening. Okay, everyone, what we're going to do this week is we're going to drill down into the story of Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus a little bit more. We did that initially on Sunday, and we're going to talk about the radical change that happened in Zacchaeus' life. Now, in order to do that, we have to talk about money. Money, 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 because money makes up a big part of the story. See, we talked about how, as a chief tax collector, Zacchaeus gave up an awful lot. He collaborated with the Romans, he extorted from his own people, and he paid a terrible price. He lost relationships with family, with friends, with community in which he lived. He paid an incredible price to be the successful and wealthy man that he was. And what motivated him? Greed. That's the answer of the story. It was greed. Zacchaeus loved money. And because he loved money, because it was his true God, his treasure, he sacrificed for it. And that's what you do with idols, right? You sacrifice to them. He sacrificed everything else on the altar of his life for his greed. But then he meets Jesus. And Jesus demonstrates incredible love and grace and kindness towards Zacchaeus. Jesus says, I'm coming to your house, man. Translation, I want friendship with you. I know who you are. I know what you've done. But I am willing to accept you as the sinner that you are. I'm coming into your life, Zacchaeus. And what is Zacchaeus' response to Jesus' incredible offer of grace toward him? It is a radically changed life demonstrated by a radically changed attitude toward money and possessions. And listen, guys, I'm just going to emphasize really briefly for you right now, whenever Jesus accepts you as a sinner, he never accepts that you remain a sinner. He always, always, always calls you to change. Now, your change is not what causes his acceptance. Rather, his acceptance is what causes the change. But if you're looking at your life and you're saying, there is no change in my life, I, I am a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus, but there is no change in my life, there is no growth in joy and in humility, there is no putting to death of sin, none of that is happening in your life, you do need to go back to the gospel and revisit whether or not you have come to true faith in Jesus Christ, because faith, his acceptance always leads to a change in your life, like it did with Zacchaeus. Look, he says, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, let me just break that down for you so you understand what he's doing. The Mosaic law, the Old Testament law found in the writings of Moses, said that the people of God were supposed to give 10% of their income away every year. They would give it to the Levites, who would then distribute it to the poor and to the work of the priesthood at the temple, etc. Zacchaeus goes way beyond that. 50% of his net worth, he's going to give away right then and there. But he also said he was going to give back 300%, that is four times the amount of money that he cheated out of, out of anyone. And this is really interesting, too, because 
In the Old Testament, um, the economic crime that had the worst penalty was stealing cattle. Yeah, you heard that right. Cattle rustling existed in the Old Testament. If you stole someone's cattle, you had to pay back four times the value of the cattle to the person that you had stolen the cattle from. So what is Zacchaeus doing? He's taking the most serious consequence of all economic sins in the Old Testament, and he's applying it to himself. He says, I'm going to go beyond what people might even re- like what people might even require of me. I am going to give 50% away to God every year, or, or sorry, give 50% of God. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to give a, a 50% away to God every year, and I'm going to pay back people who I've defrauded four times. And that action is incredible. But actually, it's the attitude behind the action that we're supposed to learn because that's what motivates his generosity. If you read the Gospel of Luke carefully, you'll notice that just one chapter earlier, so this is Luke 19, but in Luke chapter 18, Jesus meets another rich man. And this rich man is the opposite of Zacchaeus. He's law-abiding, he's upstanding, he's morally upright, he's a leader in the community. And this man comes seeking Jesus because he wants to know how to be saved. And Jesus tells him, obey the commandments. And the man says, I have, since I was just a kid, I have. Now, don't go thinking this guy is, is somehow out of touch, that he is some arrogant punk for saying that. Jesus doesn't say that. When he says, I... I I have kept the law, Jesus doesn't respond with, no, you haven't. He doesn't contradict this guy at all. This guy is a good guy, okay? If you're a parent, this is the kind of guy you want to see your daughter come home with one day. But Jesus does see something in this man, and he goes after it. He says, one thing you lack, go, sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor, then come follow me. And we learn that the guy goes away sad because he was very wealthy. And then just one chapter later, we read about Zacchaeus, who gives away 50% of everything right there on the spot. What's the difference between these two guys? It's their attitude. See, the rich young ruler asked Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Zacchaeus says, what can I give because I'm saved? The rich young ruler went away sad, but Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus gladly. Here's what Jesus is teaching us. When you know the value of salvation, when you know who Jesus is, when you understand the cost he paid to make you his, your money becomes nothing more than money. What he means by that is that that money is no longer an idol to you. It's no longer a thing by which you either measure your identity, literally or figuratively. Uh, It's no longer a means by which you find your security, nor is it a means by which you find your satisfaction. These are three things that we look to idols to give us, identity, security, satisfaction. And, you know, very often we look to money to provide one or all of those things. That's what was happening with the rich young ruler. It's interesting that he's identified that way, isn't it? I mean, 
This is one of Luke's things that he likes to do as a writer. The name given to a character in a story often describes their identity. This guy is described as rich, young ruler. That's who he was. That was his sense of self, his identity, and he was named as such in the story. Zacchaeus, however, by the end of his story, he's not identified with his money or even with his vocation. He is now Zacchaeus, friend of Jesus. See, the issue Jesus is addressing here is not how much money you have. The issue he's addressing is what is money to you? What role does money play in your life? So the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus were not all that different from one one another at the start. Money played an idolatrous role in both their lives. It had a grip on them. But by the end of Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus, money has become for him nothing more than money. His identity, his security, his satisfaction, all of that is no longer bound up in his money. It's bound up in Christ. He believes truly that he is fabulously wealthy, even if he gives that much money away, not because he has so much more to live a comfortable life, but because his treasure is now Jesus. So, how do we apply this to ourselves living today? And, you know, it's easy for me to just hammer you on your greed or your materialism, your consumerism, and to tell you, you know, to tithe more to the church or give more to charity or whatever. whatever. And in all honesty, there's actually nothing wrong with challenging people to examine their relationship to their money. Jesus is doing exactly that in this passage. It's quite shocking how often Jesus talks about money in the Gospels. He's constantly warning people to watch out for greed. The Bible probably says 10 to 20 times the amount of things about money than it does about sex. So money's a thing. It's good to take that warning to heart and examine your relationship to money and and see if it's operating as an idol in your life. Listen, we all got our charitable receipts in the last few weeks, as well as our T4s and our other income statements for the year 2020. We know what we made and we know what we gave away, at least that which can be tracked. (laughs) It's a good time to have a solid look at those two numbers and see how they correspond to one another. Maybe there's some adjustments that need to be made. Go ahead and look. Make the adjustments if needed. But, you know, in Luke 11, again, Gospel of Luke, big deal for Luke, money stuff. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees for faithful tithing done without love for God. They made sure they did the right thing. They tithed, but their attitude was terrible. It was wrong. It was downright sinful. Now, Jesus doesn't tell them, hey, it doesn't matter how much you give, because it does matter how much you give. He doesn't let them off the hook and tell them they don't have to tithe. Rather, he goes after what's behind the action, the motivation, the attitude. That really matters the most. When Zacchaeus promises to give so much money away, Jesus tells him, salvation has come to to this house, meaning your generosity, 
Zacchaeus. Your generosity, it is evidence that you understand the gospel of grace. So I'm just going to appeal to the question of our attitude toward money. For some of us, honestly, not many of us, maybe in our own little church community, but maybe some of us, we could give away 50% of our income and still live pretty comfortable lives. Could live at the same level as you do currently. Well, okay, maybe you couldn't live at the same level as you do currently, but that's actually the point, (laughs) okay? And for others, giving 10% of our income means that we'll have to make some serious sacrifices to our lifestyles. But again, again, that's the point. Jesus is telling us, I want you to continually know something of what I did for you. I want you to lower your lifestyle in sacrifice for others. Then I'll know, you know, that you're a sinner saved by grace. Your attitude towards your money is one of the most important and inevitable ways you know You're no longer religious, but you know the gospel, like Zacchaeus. Giving away your money is an important spiritual discipline. Yeah, that's right. It is a spiritual discipline. I know we don't think of it as as that, like prayer and Bible reading and worship, but it actually is. Generosity, when I say giving away your money, I mean generosity, not just the act of giving away your money, but being a generous person is a spiritual discipline that reminds you again and again of, first of all, how costly Christ's salvation was. He he gave up way more than you and I have ever had to give up in order to save us. And two, how dependent we actually are on him for his grace. And then three, the fleeting nature of earthly wealth. It really is just stuff. And stuff doesn't last. So why put so much value on it. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, wait a minute. It sounds like some of us have to make a bigger sacrifice here than others. If I give 10% of my income, which seems to be, by the way, the bottom benchmark that the Bible gives when you're trying to figure out how much you're supposed to give away— Anyway, you're thinking, if I give 10% of my income away, it will affect my lifestyle more than it will for a wealthy person to give even 50% of that income away. And that's not fair. So I have to keep driving 10-year-old cars and live in a smaller house and never go on nice vacations while someone else might still be able to do all those things while still giving lots of money away. Now, One of the reasons I know you might be thinking that is because I've thought that. I admit it. I have. I have kind of said to myself, well, I have to make a bigger sacrifice than so-and-so because I don't have as much money as they do. But listen, I have come to realize that when those thoughts come into my mind, it's actually rooted in a love for money. It is rooted in greed. My attitude toward money has not yet changed I'm doing the exact thing that Jesus warns about in the Sermon on the Mount. He says there, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's what I'm doing. I'm still looking 
to money or the things that money can buy anyway for satisfaction. I think it will make me happy. Let me end with two closing thoughts about this topic. First of all, friends, do not envy the wealthy. I mean, well, frankly, most of us are the wealthy by world standards, but we live here in North America where wealth takes on a whole other level of meaning. And so we don't consider ourselves wealthy, at least compared to the truly wealthy around us. Great wealth is not just the great advantage it seems to be. I remember listening to a Happiness Lab podcast where they interviewed a therapist who works exclusively with wealthy people. And the stories he told of anxiety, loneliness, aimlessness, they were actually heartbreaking. I've known a few very wealthy people, not many, but a few, and and a couple very well. And the truth is, it's not an easy life. You know, more money, more problems. That is actually true. And so secondly, I encourage all of us to meditate on the words of Proverbs 30, verses 7 to 9. Two things I ask of you. This is the the proverb writer. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Do you see what the Proverbs writer is emphasizing? It's the same thing Jesus is emphasizing. Where is your love, your ultimate love? When your ultimate love is Christ, then your ultimate desire is that he be honored. Money's not the problem, friends. It's the love of it that is. Love Jesus first, and you won't love money too much. All right, that is all for yet another week of the Clearer Thinking podcast from Grace Valley Church. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a fantastic week, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.